0: Good morning. Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Lori, and I'm going to be reading God's Word this morning. So if you want to turn with me uh, to John 21 and follow along, then I'll just pause a moment to give you a minute to find it. And we're going to be reading verses 1 to 19. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning... Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, Throw your net out on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loves, said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, "'Bring some of the fish you have just caught.'" Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "'Come and have breakfast.'" None of the disciples dared ask him, "'Who are you?' They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. And did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Lord God, thank you so much for your word, your truth, and as Simon comes to speak this morning, I just pray that we would open our hearts um, to hear what you have to say. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to us, each of us individually, but to us as a church, and we thank you um, for bringing Simon here from so far away to speak your truth to us.
1: Good morning, everybody. What a wonderful day it is outside, right? It's that season now where I think it's quite exciting to go out into the garden and to start growing your own fruit and vegetables. Who who likes growing their own food, right? It's like what a blessing you can when when you harvest your food, it's like free, it's like free, it's like free, right? It's amazing. I love it. I love growing my own food. My own fruit, my own vegetables. So, uh, as soon as we buy a home here, you know, one of the first things I'll be doing is growing my own vegetables. And one of the things I like to do, you might be wondering why there's a garbage bin on the, on the stage. Well, one of the good things I like to do with the children is to grow potatoes with them. And you can easily grow potatoes with a garbage bin. Now, all you need to do is just cut a hole in the bottom, and it's great for the kids. You know, you need a seed potato. Don't put any old potato in there, but get a seed potato. And if you put compost in, a bit of soil in your, in your bin, then you're able to, uh, you know, put some chicken pellets in there or whatever you need to do. You can get your seed potato, and you can just put it in the, in the bottom there, nice and deep. And you need to look after it. The thing with fruit and vegetables is you can't just sow the seed. You have to look after it. You've got to invest in it. You've got to spend time. You've got to water it there, whatever you're growing. Give it nutrients. Give it the right light and the right conditions, and you've got to invest time in it. You've got to spend time. It's, it's not the sort of thing which, if you're, growing, if you're growing your own food, it takes time. It takes a lot of energy to do it, but it's worthwhile. And so with the seed potato, you put it right in the bottom here. And what you can do is when it starts to grow, when it starts to sprout, you put more compost on. And then when it starts to sprout again, you put more compost on. And when it starts to sprout again, you put more compost on. And you can grow potatoes growing growing up uh, in there. And it's great for the kids. The kids love that sort of thing. A nice little project for them to do. But it takes time. In order for them to grow, it takes time. In order for it to kind of produce more potatoes, you've got to invest time and energy and water and resources into it in order for it to grow. This morning, why am I telling you this? Not because I like potatoes. I'm telling you this because it's the same with the passage of Scripture that we're reading this morning. Jesus Christ is investing into his disciples in a real way so that they too are able to be fruitful. Not only because he loves them, but because he has a job for them to do. So, John 21. Let's dive straight in there. Verse 1. Verse 1, it says this Afterwards, after what? After Jesus had appeared to the disciples, they're in a locked room, they're in Jerusalem, they're all scared. Jesus had appeared to the disciples in chapter 20. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to the disciples. By the Sea of Tiberius. Now, the question I want to ask this morning is: what are they doing in the Sea of Tiberias? The Sea of Tiberius, if you don't know, it's the Sea of Galilee. It's can you see that up there? There's a map. Jerusalem is all the way at the bottom of that arrow, the Sea of Galilee. Tiberius is way up north. It's about 150 kilometers north of where they've just been in chapter 20. Why are they? 150 kilometers is a long way to walk. How far is 150 kilometers from here? It's past Nanaimo. He'll find his walking to Nanaimo this afternoon. Anybody? It's, a bit, it's only half, it's only about 60 kilometers, right? So it's a long way. 150 kilometers there, they've gone up north. Now, why are they there? Jesus, in the previous chapter, has sent them on mission. It says in chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus said, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathes his Holy Spirit on them. Jesus has sent them on mission. He says, go. Go and share the gospel. Go and preach into the world. Go and do what I've been doing. So why are they up in the sea of Tiberias, 150 kilometers up north? But it's not just Peter who's up there. There's a bunch of them you got Simon in verse 2, Simon, Peter, Thomas, which we saw in the last. It's nice to see Thomas there, right? Last week, we were looking at doubting Thomas or whatever, and now he's with his friends. Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, in Galilee, sons of Zebedee, James and John, and two other disciples who weren't named. I'm sure they'll be like, why were we named in there? And so the seven disciples up in Tiberias, why are they there? Are they scared? Are they still worried? Are they thinking, well, what's our future looking like now? We've lost our rabbi, we've lost our teacher, we've lost our future jobs. Are they going to go back up to Galilee to start well the fishing? Right, perhaps they're going back to start their jobs again. Right, we need we need new jobs. We can go back into fishing. Are they there because of that, or is it because Jesus has sent them? Mark sixteen verse seven. The ladies go to the tomb of Jesus, which, you know, he's risen again and he's not there. The angels said to the ladies in Mark 16, verse 7, He says, Go, tell the disciples and Peter to go to Galilee because I'm going to meet them there. Now, are they scared? Have they gone to Galilee because they're scared? Have they gone to Galilee because Jesus, you know, they're expecting to meet him there? We don't know. We don't know why they're there, but I imagine they've got a whole bunch of emotions going on inside of them. They would be scared. They're unsure of the future. They've got no idea what's going to go around the corner. and um, They're just waiting. And it's hard, isn't it, when we're in that place of waiting and we don't know what's around the corner and we just, we just don't know. I, I like, I'm, I'm not organized. Alana will tell you, I don't know where she is. She'll tell you I'm not organized, but I like order. I like to be able to, to control my situation. I like to know what's going to go on in life. And it's hard when sometimes we don't know what's around the corner. We don't know how things are going to unfold. It's hard. These disciples are in a place where they just don't know what's going on. And so they've got all these emotions going on inside them. And it's been a hard few weeks. They've had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus Christ was arrested, he was crucified, he rose again. And I imagine there's just so many emotions going on in these disciples. Perhaps Peter is still feeling guilty for denying Jesus three times, for running away and denying him. I know I would. Jesus appears to the disciples in this point. And I think it's such a wonderful story. Peter is in Galilee with his disciples. And he says, come on. Let's just go fishing. And so he brings all his friends. They're on the lake. And who turns up on the lakeshore? Jesus himself. They've been fishing all night. They catch nothing. And I love the, the response from the disciples. John sees Jesus and he says, hey, hey, guys, there's the Lord. There's the Lord. He's just got this faith, this assurance of who Christ is. How does Peter respond? He's like, yeah, there's just Jesus. He gets his coat on, he jumps into the water. He's like swimming to the shore, reactive as ever. It's good that we're made differently, right? Each and every one of us responds to Jesus in different ways. It's okay. Some people get excited and way, some people are just calm and composed. Doesn't matter. What's important is that you recognize Jesus as your Lord and Savior in life. And so verse 12 and 14, Jesus prepares a breakfast for them. They sat on the beach. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The disciples are sat there having breakfast and they're in awe and wonder and silence of of Jesus. They don't even dare ask, who is he? Because the answer for them is clear. I am. They knew that. And it's this point that Jesus meets the disciples, meets with Peter. Peter has an encounter with Jesus. And he changes his life forever. That's the power of Christ, people. Jesus changes lives forever. So Jesus changed Peter's life forever. He invests in him. Now, there's a story I love about a, a businessman who worked for IBM, a big, you know, big computer firm. And this manager was working and um, he invested about a million dollars in a project that went south. It went bust and he lost a million dollars. And so this businessman thought, oh no, I just, I just can't work for this company anymore. So he writes his resignation and he goes to his manager and he says, here's my resignation. I, I quit. And, the, and the, the, the director says, I can't take your resignation. You're going to have to continue working. He says, why? I failed. He says, I've just invested a million dollars in you. Get back to work. Okay, thank you. And I think Jesus does the same with us, right? I think Jesus invests in us. Jesus continues to invest in Peter and he continues to invest in us. Whatever mistakes we make. For example, let me give you some examples. I love it when Peter was walking on the water. Uh, And we see in Matthew 14. Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples in a boat. And there's waves and the storms crashing around them. And Jesus says, come follow me. And Peter, you know, he reactive, like, right? yeah, I'll do it. He gets out on the water. He's standing there for a moment. He looks, he takes his eyes off Jesus, looks at the waves. What happens? He sinks. Thank you, someone reads the Bible, praise God. Okay, he sinks. And Jesus says, he pulls him out of the water. You have little fear. And I imagine back on the shoreline, Peter's there. He's, he's all wet. He's trying to get himself dried up. And he says, Jesus, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I, I failed you. I'm reactive. I, I, I don't I've My faith isn't in you as much as it should be. I'm so sorry. Here's my resignation. And Jesus says, oh, oh, oh no. I've just invested a miracle in you. Another example, Peter affirms Jesus in Caesarea Philippi in, in Matthew 16. Jesus says to the disciples, who do people say I am? And they say, oh, you know, you're a teacher, you're a prophet. And he says, who do you say, the disciples, who do you say I am? Peter pipes up and says, you're the Lord. You're the Messiah. And in the next chapter, Jesus tells the disciples You has to die, right? And Peter says, "Whoa, well, I'm not going to let you die. You're going to have to get through me before you die, Jesus. And Jesus is like, get behind me, Satan. You don't understand why I'm here. And then I imagine again, you know, getting rebuked of Jesus. Jesus, I'm so sorry. You know, I'm so sorry. You've just revealed who you are. It says in the Bible that it was a revelation to Peter that he was the Messiah. You've just just revealed to me who you are. And again, I I failed. I'm so sorry. And Jesus is like, nope, don't worry. I've just invested a revelation in you. Get back to work. Oh, another example was when Peter denied Jesus three times. Peter tells Jesus that he would never leave him. And then he goes and de- denies him. Luke tells us in Luke 24, 34, that Jesus' resurrection, after the resurrection, he appeared to Peter Privately, and I can imagine him saying, "Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've I've let you down again. I said I'd would, I'd would be there for you always, and yet, I when when the, when it was hard, I ran away. I denied you. I'm so sorry. Here's my resignation. And Jesus, is like, no, I don't want it, because I've just invested a resurrection in you." Jesus continued to invest. In Peter, and he continues to invest in each and every one of us today. John 21, verses 1 to 19, we see another example of how Jesus continued to invest in Peter. And the reason why Jesus invested in Peter was because he loved him, but he had a purpose for him. And I think as Christians, there's three things we can learn from the story this morning. The first one is this. It teaches us what it means to have a genuine love. Verses 15 to 17, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all of these things. You know that I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Jesus turns to Peter and asks him three times, do you love me? And if we look at the text and we can see that Peter and Jesus began to talk, Jesus did not reprove him or condemn him for cutting someone's ear off or for running away, or for denying, or for not believing. He didn't ask, Peter, are you sorry for what you've done? He didn't ask, do you promise never to fail me again? Instead, he probed his heart three times to discover the depth of his love that he had for his master. Now, I think there are two types of love, really. There's a love that gives, and there's a love that receives. For example, I love coffee. I really do love my coffee, and uh, just for interest, you know, there's there's a brew life out there that sells good coffee for a good cause. Sheila, buddy, if you want to help on a Sunday morning, serve the tea and coffee. But look at that coffee; it's good. But the, my, the love I have for coffee is a is a coffee that just consumes. I consume it. I love coffee. Oh, it's so good, right? But if I keep drinking it and drinking it and drinking it, it'll just disappear. It'll go. The type I have, the type of love I have for coffee, is the kind of love that will just take and take until it's gone. And you can say that the love I have for coffee just consumes it. The kind of love is not necessarily bad if I apply it to coffee but it can be bad if I apply it to my friends or to my family or to my church or to God. You see, there are two types of love. The love that gives and the love that invests and the love that serves and the love that looks after others and the love that just takes. But until we really Understand the difference. It's hard sometimes because the the, like, the lines blur. So we can approach our friendships about sometimes what we can take from others or from our family, what we can take from others. Or we approach church with what we can take from church or from God. What sort of love do we have for Jesus this morning? Is it a coffee sort of love where we just take and take and take? I love Jesus because of the way he makes me feel inside. I love Jesus because I really love the church worship band on a Sunday morning and I'm able to sing some songs. I love Jesus because with the sense of community I get, and there's going to be an awesome barbecue afterwards, after the church. And those things, in and of themselves, aren't bad things, they're great things, they're a blessing. They're good, and we know that they're from God. But until we come to know God and Jesus and spend time with Him, And make Jesus Lord of our lives. We will never truly be able to say, like Peter, I love you. I love you with a sort of love that I want to serve. A love that I want to give back. A love that I want to give back to God in my worship, in my devotion, in my giving, in my finances, in my serving. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Jesus is asking, Peter, do you love me? How do you love me? And he asks us this morning, do you love me? How do you love me? How do you love me, Simon? Um, I'm married to my wife. And we've been, uh, good news, I am married to my wife, just in case you were wondering. But um, we've been married now for 15 years uh, uh, this summer. For me, it's a long time, right? For you, it's probably, for some of you here, they get dropped in the ocean, but 15 years of marriage. But if you were to um, ask me questions about, you know, say you want I was going to ask you to interview me about how much I truly love my wife. Your job is to find out if I really love my wife. What questions would you ask me um, to determine if I really love my wife, anybody? What's her favorite color? What favorite color? I'm gonna find these out, right? It's uh, it's like Mother's Day next Sunday. So, what's her favorite color? Thank you, John. Any other things? Any her favorite flowers? Her favorite flower. Sorry. You'd ask me if you could talk to my wife about me. So what would my wife say about me? Okay, what would my wife say about me? What would my wife say about me? Good question, I like it. How does she feel loved? How does... Oh, we're getting into some deep questions here, like... She feels how do I serve her? Ooh, what's her? Love. I know that one. It's kind words, her love and language. When's her birthday? When's her birthday? I like that. Do you spend quality time? Good one. Do we pray together? Do you pray? Okay. Good questions, right? Demonstrating how much I love my wife. Let me flip that around. Let me ask those questions about us in our relationship with Jesus Christ, with God? Do we spend quality time together? What's his favorite, what's his favorite flower? I don't know, but do you, do you know God enough? What's, you know, what, what, does, what does he find delight in? What does he pleasure in? What does he find good and noble? Do we know, do we spend time in the Word enough? To know these things? What would God say about me if we were to ask him? How do I serve him? Do we pray together? What evidence in our lives is there that we love God? a wife commits adultery to their husband, the husband is left wondering, did she ever love me in the first place? It's the same with God. You see, sin isn't just breaking the commandments of God. It's breaking the heart of God. Sin by its very nature is not only against the law, but it's against love. So Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. A love for God and for Jesus has to be greater for them than the love of sin. You see, the truth is, if we love Jesus, we don't want to betray him. We won't disobey him. Our love is our motivation for the obedience to keep following him. If we really love God, if he truly is our first in our lives, our first love, the thing that gets us out of bed in the morning, then we'll want to do the things that pleases him. We want to do the things that he did while he was on earth. It is only when our love for self comes in the way that we get into trouble, right? Another thing that truly demonstrates a love for somebody is doing things and caring things about what the other person wants to do. So for my example, my wife, she loves art. She loves to go to, and we, when we go on holiday, we, we um, waste, I mean, we spend time um, Going around art galleries. And in Europe, there's an art gallery on every street, right? From the Renaissance to, you know, you go, you go to Paris, there's about, there's about 400 in Paris. She loves it. So that's what I want to do with her, right? Because it's what she likes to do. This is why Jesus said to Peter, Do you love me? Then care for my sheep. Do the things I did because, be with them, support them, because I love them. Jesus died on that cross because he loves us. Jesus said to Peter, do you love me? Go and feed my sheep. It's because it's what I love. I want you to go and love people as well. If you want to express our love for Jesus, it'll be by investing time in others. We have to love people whether we want to or not. We have to love people whether they deserve it or not. And what's interesting is Jesus says, go and feed my sheep. It's the shepherd, right? The shepherd is trusting somebody else with loving his sheep. No, not my sheep. It's his sheep. Shepherd would never normally in biblical times trust anybody with their sheep. Nobody. The sheep know the shepherd's voice, right? Jesus is entrusting us to go and love others. What a huge responsibility. Are we loving others? We're going to two services, um, and this is the time when the space. the spare chairs, right? Wouldn't it be amazing if in one month, six months, a year, when all of these chairs are filled because we've all been loving other people and sharing the gospel with others as well. That's why we're going to two services, to see more souls come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior as well. So the things I can learn from this is this one, genuine love. What genuine love looks like. And the second thing is about genuine repentance. Verse 17, Jesus asked Peter, son, uh, son, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know these things. You know that I love you. My second point is about genuine repentance. So they sat on this coal fire. And I'm sure there were some close similarities to when Sarah, Peter sat around the fire um, and he denied Jesus three times. And I imagine that he's got this heartfelt sorrow within. When we make mistakes, sin has a way back to God um, and it's the deep sorrow, right? But the good thing is there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. When we make mistakes, when we sin, There's always a way back to Jesus. Peter is here. He's hurt. uh, But Jesus is starting a road to recovery. That's all I want to say on that. The third thing is about having a genuine commitment. Verses 18 and 19. Tough words, really. These aren't easy words. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went uh, where you wanted to go. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you. Where you did not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. As Christians, we must not only decide to live our lives with Jesus in our relationship, but also indeed as part of God's mission, whatever it costs. Peter, it was going to be costly for him to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus never said it's going to be easy being a, a, G, a follower of Jesus. We are to carry our cross on a daily basis. Peter tells Jesus that he loves him and then Jesus says, feed my lambs. Take care of my sheep. Feed my sheep. Go out, spread the good news. Go out to your neighbors. Demonstrate that you love me. How do your neighbors know that you love me? How do your, how do your work colleagues know that you love me? How do your friends and family Know that you love me. Peter was a changed man this morning after encountering Jesus Christ on that seashore. And he became strong and powerful and authoritative. Peter healed the sick. He preached at Pentecost and 3,000 came to know the Lord. He put their faith in him. Peter became one of the key leaders of the church. He took seriously his new commitment to care for Jesus' sheep. The disciple who failed Became the disciple who changed the church as we know it because Jesus invested and empowered in him and gave him a second chance. Let me encourage you. Each and every one of us here will fail. We are failures by nature, right? This is the good news. This is the gospel. Because Jesus invests in us. It's not my strength. It is the strength in me through the indwelling life of Christ that is able to allow me to go and do what Christ has asked me to do. And Jesus invests in us. And he says, do we follow him? Do we love him? Feed our sheep? You see, one person can make a huge difference. One person can make a huge difference because Jesus teaches us what it means to have a genuine love and we can, how we can repent And how we can continue to commit, follow Jesus. If we allow the indwelling life of Christ in us, we can make a huge difference. Just like this one potato. You see, I planted a potato. And, you know, the good thing with one potato is one potato can produce many, many more potatoes. Okay? Look at all that. Okay? One potato can produce more potatoes. And it's the same for us. If we, Christ has invested in us, he's invested in us through miracles, he's invested in us through revelation, he's invested in us through resurrection, he's invested in us continually, and he invests in us every single day through his Holy Spirit. Continues to invest in us. He invests in us through his word. Are we in the word? Continues to invest in us. Let me encourage you. Christ has invested in you and he's asking us today, do you love me? If you love me, go and feed my sheep. How do you love Jesus Christ this morning? Let us pray and then we'll take communion together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this glorious day. We thank you that we can come into your presence. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a God who continues to invest in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that we too, with the love and the care and the attention that you invest in us, that we too may go out and invest in others. That we don't have a, 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 a consuming love, but we have a giving love. We pray, Lord, Heavenly Father, that we may continue to just love other people as you love them. That we may be hands and feet, Lord. Beautiful are the feet that present the good news. I pray, Lord Heavenly Father, that you continue to fill us with your Spirit. And that we may continue to share your good news and share the love of Christ in so many different ways.